हेलो 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 गुड मॉर्निंग गुड आफ्टरनून गुड इवनिंग टू यू वेर एवर यू आर वेलकम टू द कोडिटेशन पॉडकास्ट टुडे इज अ हिस्टोरिक डे इट्स द फर्स्ट पॉडकास्ट इन अ सीरीज ऑफ पॉडकास्ट एंड आई हैव कम टू यू विद एन इंटरेस्टिंग टॉपिक समथिंग दैट विल इंटरेस्ट एवरी वन इट्स अबाउट कस्टमर एक्विजिशन especially now since everyone is moving towards a privacy sensitive world how will customer acquisition change in a privacy sensitive world that's the topic for today i am your host aniket and i've got two industry veterans chetan ceo and co-founder of coditation systems and quimby also called as q ceo and co-founder of confection.io to talk about this take it away guys sounds great So first of all thank you for having me and giving me a chance to chat about this um really important topic with your audience so I appreciate you having me um and you know uh, like you said in your kind introduction I'm the CEO and co-founder of Confection and uh, Confection collects stores and distributes data in a way that's unaffected by client side disruptions that we're all familiar with that would involve you know cookies and cross domain scripts and device IDs and it's compliant with global da- data privacy laws so it's good for people too and we launched last year and we've been um steadily gaining users over the last 18 months perfect uh so thank you so much q uh, we are very excited to you know be here together talking about a very very important topic and something that's uh, likely to disrupt the way uh, marketers and hence the technology providers also uh, are going to you know face um disruption in the coming days and we'll would love would love to you know get your perspective and chat about you know different uh, impact areas about this but before uh, before that a quick introduction uh, from my side so i'm chetan uh, founder and ceo of coditation we were founded in 2016 with a vision of uh, creating a ninja product engineering and digital transformation team uh we've been 5 years into this business and currently have a strength of about 130 people and we work with uh, great product companies as well as businesses to deliver uh the value and deliver their next best thing in terms of the products as well as the digital transformation journey for our customers so i'm really looking forward to this particular chat uh, because we've also worked a quite worked quite a bit in martech area and that's a that's an area which is going to get impacted by uh the whole privacy aware um legislations as well as uh, disruptive changes that uh, market leaders are bringing in so look forward to chatting to that get to know your perspective on that fantastic looking forward to the conversation thank you again so to kick it kick it off i guess what we what we can do is first uh, we can uh, let our audience in on uh, what does the topic of discussion actually mean so why is it important how is customer acquisition going to change if it is going to change how it is going to change etc uh, q uh, if you can go ahead if you can provide us that business perspective or the user perspective to how this is going to happen and then i'll let chetan handle the technology aspect of it as to how we can uh, solve this problem from the technology perspective absolutely so you know to answer your question i think there's a lot of confusing information out there about the way that privacy first and the shift away from third party data affects um you know professional marketers and and those interested in making a digital transformation 
So, you know, I don't think that this information is always intentionally misleading, but I think that there's a lot of confusion about how um, this, what's happening and what's affected. So, you know, one of the things I like to talk about is the idea that it's interesting that I think one of the root causes of the confusion is the idea of what a cookie is. So a lot of times people will use that as a byword to mean lots of different technologies, including trackers and pixels and cross-domain scripts. So a lot of times people talk about cookie-free or post-cookie, um, and they mean more than just browser-level data storage. So I think the first thing to do is kind of define our terms and make sure that we're talking about uh, you know, privacy first in, in a, um, an accurate way which is essentially a, a disruption to the way that marketers have collected and distributed data for 30 years now. Um, and these would be browser-based systems um, and uh, uh, browser and device level systems on the front end. And one of the things we're trying to do is move things over to the server side and make things more robust and more compliant. Uh, Chetan, uh, can you go ahead and explain to them, explain to our users about the technology aspect of it? Sure. So I think as uh, Q talked about it, right, there's a lot of information out there, which, you know, suggests, uh, you know, right from, uh, you know, hey, advertising is dead, cold emailing, cold outreach is dead, to sort of saying the whole shift towards more of a first party data and utilizing that for uh, your customer acquisition. And in fact, a real shift from, uh, you know, customer acquisition to how do you, uh, you know, sort of, use your first party data, a lot of focus on customer retention, a lot of focus on upsell and cross-sell. I think, uh, you know, there is a specific disruption that I think everybody is looking at, which is uh, retirement of third party cookies. And already, I think uh, Safari has done that, Firefox has done that. Uh, you see that kind of opt-in kind of change happening on the mobile as well. Uh, but I think that's an isolated, although part of a pattern, right? So I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. So isolated in the sense that even before, you know, shift away from third-party cookies happened, I think the compliances and the laws of the land like GDPR um, were already introduced. So I think rather than looking at these as an, you know, events, I think there is a perceptible shift towards um, privacy as, a concern and a concern that will get addressed across all the different tech channels and you know customer acquisition processes, et cetera. Now, if you look at that pattern, I think what is important is the shift away from third-party data and utilizing that data for all your marketing needs and shifting that into more of a first-party world. Now, from the technology standpoint, one might one might be tempted to think, okay, let, you know, CDP it is, and that's the answer, right? And, uh, you know, you move to CDP, you get all your uh, first party data infrastructure, right? And, you know, that's, that's an answer, which is, which is not untrue. That's, that's partly true. But at the same time, I think that's not how it works in a real world. Uh, you know, what happens is that a lot of businesses, a lot of companies, including ourselves, uh, evolve over the period of time and they from time to time they invest in different type of tools whether it is SaaS or homegrown and uh, different kind of tools now with this kind of a proliferation of different tools and the first party data sitting in different silos I think from the tech standpoint there is a clear clear need of having your integration backbone figured out for every business to um, kind of 
have an effective and efficient digital transformation journey. Because with this kind of a proliferation of different tools, you know, every process, right? You're sending emails, sending push notifications, sending SMSs. There are tools out there in the market. And now they're SaaS primarily. So now we are living in an API first economy or API first world. And the fact that there is a shift towards uh, first party data, I think getting your integration backbone right is extremely important for um, any, any business who's big or small is, is heading towards a transformative journey of their uh, digital infrastructure to manage their business and the operations better. And I think what I would also love to know from Q, uh, you know, is that how does confection fit into this uh, story? I mean, in terms of its positioning, you know, how does confection help uh, companies who are trying to do digital transformation to kind of either accelerate or solve their uh, certain part of their digital transformation journey? Their, you know, the problems that you know plagues the big digital transformation journey. Right, and I think I think you make some great points, and I think that's a really great question. So, you know, when we look out at the possible solutions that have been floated for dealing with privacy first, right? We see we see solutions like the privacy sandbox and the flock from from Google, mm -hmm. right? Microsoft has Parakeet. Um, there's something called ODOH, which is oblivious DNS over HTTPS, which is from Cloudflare and Fastly. And uh, Tim Berners-Lee, of course, you know, the, the father of the, of the World Wide Web is essentially working on something called Enrupt. Um, and, you know, you're right, Confection is part of this landscape. Um, and I think, you know, something we've chatted about is the idea of like a format war, right? Like VHS and beta or like uh, uh, Blu-ray DVD. Um, so we might see a format war between these systems like VHS and beta and uh, Blu-ray DVD and HD uh, DVD. So it's interesting to see these kinds of different players um, just, you know, to reiterate um, something, um, Shaitan, that you were talking about, you know, the, the challenge is that these are, a lot of these are solid resources, right? They're monolithic structures built to house something that's inherently modular, right? And it wants to be shared and flow between systems. So if you said something's modular, you're kind of limiting the value of your, of your data as an asset, right? You're limiting your, the ability of that information to enrich different systems. And I think this is especially true in a marketing context, you know, where marketing stacks may involve dozens of different systems that need to share information. So I think, you know, focusing on data as a, as, as not a monolithic entity, but as a medium of exchange, right? It's something that yeah. is able to move around um, and enrich different systems is really, really important. So bringing this back to confection, you know, the, the idea is when we built it, we really built it with that expectation in mind, you know, kind of anti-monolithic um, uh, products, right? Kind of like a hydra, right? Where, where we ingest information with the expectation that we're going to be sending it somewhere else. Um, and it's our goal really to facilitate transfers of information across systems. And again, kind of thinking about the hydra model. And that the real trick, I think, for, for solutions like the confection and these other ones that we, that we listed here is making sure that we're facilitating these flows and exchanges in a way that's compliant, right? And that people trust and like and that, uh, that works regardless of what happens to the ways that traditional front-end data flows are being disrupted. Um, so that's the real trick from my point of view is, is building the backbone, as you put it, of a system that's both reliant, compliant, and that people like. Right, that's, that's, that's very interesting. And so uh, to again, you know, understand confection better in terms of, uh, you know, how it tries to solve the problem, right? So uh, if, if you were to compare this with say something like a CDP, um, how, how does confection fit into this 
integration infrastructure. So how would you picture confection fitting the quote unquote digital transformation stack for a uh, lot of CMOs to kind of transform their marketing uh, tools and infrastructure? Great. So, you know, again, back to the idea of ingestion and distribution, right? That Those are really the core questions for, for confection. And so one of the original terms we considered for confection was cloud cookie. And the reason we didn't go that route is because, you know, the, the concept of a cookie is very unpopular. So we were afraid <laughs> we would be, you know, dead in the water before we even got started. So we didn't go that route. But in many ways, you know, that's what confection is, aspires to be is a sort of standardized system for um, ingesting information, organizing it, and then distributing it, right? And so for us, the real question, and, and I think the thing that gets overlooked often in, in the context of this discussion, is that there's a very real ingestion problem, to say nothing of the distribution challenge, which is also very real. But just, you know, acquiring the primary data set is becoming increasingly more challenging because generally that does require some sort of browser level identifier, right? Or it involves some sort of cross-domain script that, that a lot of, I think, product vendors are not aware that that script is being blocked. So from our point of view, we always start from that perspective. How can we ingest data in a reliable, compliant way? And then once it's in our system, how do we send it out to any number of different endpoints to help marketers do their job um, really well? Right, that's, that's very interesting. So in fact, uh, you know, based on what you just spoke about, it's, you know, the picture that, um, you know, come, comes to my head is basically of a, of a funnel, which is essentially ingesting and then distributing out to different uh, systems. And that becomes all the more important in the, you know, fragmented and proliferated uh, tools that or the world that we live in, right? That's exactly right. And for, to whatever degree, it's an apt metaphor. You know, one that I lean on a lot is the concept of a power grid, right? And the idea that really what we're doing is we're laying cable, right? And that cable brings information in, right? It enriches and organizes that information in our substation, right? And then it sends it out to the, to the customer's preferred endpoints through another series of cables. So in my mind, really what we're trying to build is a, is a, is a, is a power grid, right? For moving, it, for moving marketing information around on the web in a reliable, compliant way. Perfect. That's that's super cool. All right. Now another problem that uh, you know kind of is going to surface very soon with the with the quote unquote death of third party cookies is that um, marketers are going to probably get uh, robbed of you know a lot of information that they were uh, they were getting right. And in terms of you know them being able to enrich their segments or you know, models that they can use for lookalike modeling and, you know, uh, the whole identity resolution piece. Um, and I know that this, this has traditionally been the uh, go-to term and something that, you know, CDPs have been, um, you know, trying to sell around. Uh, but now that, you know, when the first party data ingestion problem comes in, does that also bring a certain sense of, uh, first level identity resolution that Confection has to do? Yes, and so the way we've managed that is when we kicked off product development, we started with a really important assumption, which is essentially do not rely on the, the uh, client side, right? And that means no identifiers, no cookies, uh, uh, no, no cross domain scripts. So just assume that the front end is, uh, is unreliable and becoming more and more unreliable as we move forward in time, right? So what we tried to do is we, we set up a system where we use predictive algorithms and machine learning to essentially recognize patterns, right? 
And so we had resolved identities on the server side based on those signals and patterns. And, you know, in our testing, we're at least as good at that as Google Analytics in terms of, you know, siloing users from one another and unifying um, session IDs essentially into unified user IDs. So that's the way we've managed that, that and it's a really interesting um, framework, you know, and you can enrich it in a lot of different ways. And we're looking at some new ways going forward to, to make it even more robust and more reliable. But it's been a very interesting technique to approach it that way, rather than saying, look, let's, let's work with these really fragile device identifiers or browser level IDs. So instead using patterns of behavior to resolve identities. And it's been very, very interesting. And, and going forward, I think it's gonna become even more interesting and more valuable. Right. Perfect. So basically what Convection tries to do is uh, kind of do its own server side um, ID, quote unquote, if that's right. based on the right. yeah, based on the signals, signals that you uh, get from the from the client side, which which is not cookie. Very important. That's right. And I think, you know, it could be just to use a simple example. You know, if you see two page views on the same site within, you know, 20 seconds of one another, right, in the same location, uh, you know, in the same browser, you know, there's a there's a high probabilistic score, uh, or there's a high probabilistic um, uh, possibility that that is the same person, right? So that kind of signal would allow us to unify uh, individual session IDs into a, a single user ID. Now, what's interesting is, you know, different kinds of customers need different kinds of, uh, of uh, percentages, right? So a bank, for example, would need a very high likeness score, right? To say, okay, this person is 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 the same, versus a publisher might might need, have a lower threshold. So we essentially allow customers to dial up and down that likeness threshold to find which one works for them, whether it needs to be more strict and exclusive or you know more liberal and inclusive. Great, great. So this is configurable to to that extent. Okay, that's, that's exactly that's, right. That's pretty impressive, and so you know this uh, also sort of throws in another set of um, sort of challenges that one needs to look at when uh, you know, you're putting together that infrastructure is, you know, how do these different uh, you know, elements and different IDs as now, right. I think increasingly these, uh, every system which is uh, holding the first party data will in some shape or form, try and do some sort of a segmentation, uh, try and try and you know kind of play on that whole first party identity thing and the non-identifiables or non-identifiable information that typically comes from the browsers and devices where you have guest access and so on and so forth right. there's a whole bunch of infrastructure required both in terms of you know the the state of the art algorithms to the data engineering pipelines and you know, uh, essentially that entire infrastructure to kind of cobble this together and, you know, have a unified uh, platform of sorts from, you know, uh, for the marketers to work on, right? And, uh, uh, you know, from, from your experience of talking to your customers, et cetera, are you, are you seeing that thought process coming through from um, the marketers and the executives, marketing executives? Is that happening? Do you, do you sense that? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, none of the people that we talk to have any plans of like, you know, essentially using confection and never buying a digital ad again, right? Like that's just not something that's going to happen. And frankly, that's not even our goal. You know, our goal is to build a new kind of product, a new, a new category of product that essentially helps these other systems work better and create better value for our customers. So to give you an example, we have a couple of small e-commerce businesses, you know, there's a makeup business and a couple of other ones who have been using um, confection. 
and they would essentially be interested in using confection to uh, ingest, uh, honestly, in some cases, a lot of um, relatively um, non-PII information, right? These, this would be trends-based behavior information. And they can use that information to either, uh, you know, build more reliable audience segments within Facebook or Google um, to understand visitor, visitor behavior um, in a more targeted way. And so I think that in a lot of cases, what winds up happening is what we mentioned a few minutes ago, where you're essentially using this reliable information that comes in, it's got fewer holes in it, um, and it's not dependent on these types of fragile systems we've been using for 30 years. And you can use that to enrich your audiences, you can use that to enrich your various different marketing um, uh, segments. Right. Very interesting that you, you talk about it because our experience has also been quite similar in the sense that we've seen a perceptible shift towards uh, so a couple of customers of ours, one who's a, a leading um, performance marketing and analytics uh, uh, agency uh, of sorts and the other, which is a, which is a, a marketing BI uh, platform. Both of these organizations, very different uh, in terms of their make and profile. Uh, you know, one is trying to basically uh, sell a marketing BI platform, and the other is maybe more geared up towards uh, solutioning and services and providing that end-to-end -end marketing uh, services to its clients. Both of them, I've seen in the last couple of years, uh, they've, they've, they've shifted towards this idea of talking about segments, talking about uh, consumer insights, talking about audience uh, lookalike modeling, that they can then take it to Facebook and Google and, you know, start uh, getting better results at right. know, the ad, ad campaigns that they run. And I think the infrastructure required to kind of do this uh, you know, heavy lifting of data where, again, I mean, to underscore this point that, you know, a lot of systems in place and you know, a lot of first party data that's getting captured. We've seen from our clients that, and again, this is real world, right? This happens that, you know, some tool which starts as an internal tool or something that, you know, uh, starts as an experiment suddenly graduates uh, to becoming, you know, or to become a customer side, customer facing tool. And suddenly you have one more uh, one more thing to worry about in terms of, you know, aggregating that data and getting that data funneled into your uh, marketing nerve center, if I may, uh, you know, kind of call that as. And, you know, I think the whole idea of combining this first party data, forming segments and, you know, targeting based on these aspects is, I think, something that we've, we've, we've seen that happening quite a bit. And, you know, uh, I think it's 2022 when, you know, some of the disruptive changes are likely to happen, but I think businesses have started adopting that uh, or rather responding to that potential change quite soon. I, do you also see that with your customers? Are they aware of, you know, this change and disruption that's going to come pretty soon in their marketing lives? I, th I think that they are, and I think that you highlight a lot of the, thing, the, the conversations we have with customers, potential customers. I think you highlight a lot of you know the the things that we chat about with them, and I, I think that it's important to remember there's a lot of false dilemmas out there in terms of what choices you have to make, and I think that there's a kind of binary. Uh, I think this issue is really presented in a binary way where it's either third party or first party, right? Mm -hmm. Or or it's you have to make a choice to build your stack around one or the other, right? And of course that's that's not really 
true, right? You can mm -hmm. essentially use different blended systems just as you use different blended apps to get different outcomes. And I think it's, you know, it's highly unlikely that we're going to have a single monolithic entity or a group of monolithic entities that are going to, you know, do what people need uh, to do with marketing data, or what they try to do with marketing data. So I think a lot of the points that, that you just made really underscore that idea of, you know, any kind of modular solution is sort of doomed to fail in this reality. And really what we need is strong, robust protocols that allow us to share information in a, in a modular way between systems. And that's absolutely something that our customers uh, talk about. So when we've gone out and we worked with Codotation on some of them, you know, to build a lot of integrations to essentially make our footprint as, as wide as possible, to make adoption as easy as possible, to, you know, allow people to install confection on a site very easily. And again, back to this idea of building a system that's inherently modular and expects input from many different areas and then output to many, many different systems. To me, you know, I, I'm sort of firm on that point where, you know, Amazon's got that great saying that, you know, they're firm on vision and flexible on details. So we're the same way, but I would say, you know, I'm very firm on that point where I think you really have to make a strong choice for modularity or uh, monolithic architectures. And we are all in on modularity. And I, I think that that's correct, not only because that's the way marketing has been done in the past, but again, based on the customer conversations that, that you mentioned and the customer conversations we have, you know, people inherently want to move this information around between systems, between ad vendors, uh, between CRMs and, and systems like that. And the more that we can help facilitate that while bolting on compliance and uh, giving people a better you know, control over the information that flows in, I think that's a winning combination. True, true. And, you know, one of the things that you touched upon, uh, Q, is, you know, the fact that, uh, and particularly true for marketers, uh, is, is number of yes. systems and number of assets that they deal right. with, right? Right. And, you know, the sheer, and, and, and that number is not coming down. I mean, you know, every, no, no, no. <laughs> every couple of years, you have one more channel to look after, right? For, right. for a marketer, I mean... I think in last uh, probably five to six years, there's been, you know, this chatbot and support channels and, you know, where all of these channels are collecting tons and tons of data, right? For right. confection as a, as, as a product, which is trying to solve this particular problem. Uh, now, you know, we've been talking about businesses and what businesses need, but from confection standpoint, uh, you know, taking this on, right? Uh, n channels, m options for n channels, right? As a as a as a product owner and as a as a visionary of this uh, particular grid systems that you're talking about uh, from the data ingestion standpoint, uh, do you have sleepless nights looking at you know the uh, Martech landscape? Twenty thousand companies, twenty thousand tools <laughs> to support at some point in time. Absolutely. But, you know, you know, we're old marketing guys. So that's, this is nothing new. You know, like the, I think it's safe to say that the MarTech and the sales tech landscape is just inherently fragmented. And, you know, there are people who are smarter than I am who probably have really good reasons for that. I don't have a particular, you know, reason why I think that's the case. I think the value of the market is one thing in the sense that it's just such a, a valuable space to play in and the barriers to entry are relatively low. That would be my best guess. But, you know, the idea that the landscape is fragmented with tools is certainly nothing new. Um, and there's that famous MarTech infographic that gets bigger and bigger yeah, every year. Like, exactly. I think, yeah, right now it's up to like 5,000, uh, you know, something like that. It's, it's insane. So does it keep me up at night? I, I would say 
not particularly only because I've been in this space for a long time and I know how it is. And the way that we solve for that is just trying to make things as vanilla and as agnostic as possible in the sense that, you know, our API is a very vanilla JSON, uh, series of JSON endpoints, right? Very, very simple. Um, it can support any number of different systems. So I think whatever comes through, you know, whatever the dominant players in these specific category come around, we'll be able to support that because, um, again, there's nothing exotic about the way that we um, output information. The, I would say our, our input architecture is is um, inventive and new, but the output is meant to be as vanilla as possible to support as many endpoints as possible. And, and also just one other thing on that, we have a Zapier integration, right? And we're gonna build one for Trey and MuleSoft as well. So I think those kind of integration partners really take a lot of the headache out of it as, uh, headaches out of it as well. Um, I'd say the one thing that keeps me up at night is just worrying about marketers making bad decisions based on bad information or incomplete information about what's happening with privacy first. So for us, you know, we solved that challenge. We begin to solve market adoption challenges and, and off we go. So that's pretty much all that keeps me up at night with respect to confection. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Because the number of, you know, inputs that you have to now deal with, right. Number of channels, I mean, output side. Yeah. I, you know, the, there are tons of solutions out there, uh, like right. we talked about Trade.io, MuleSoft, and Zapiers of this world. Uh, but you know, coming and sitting to say next uh, AI chat bot, or maybe in five years' time, uh, VR headsets, right? So uh, you know, and solving that problem because ultimately, I think what we've seen from the you know historically, if you look at it, I think every new channel opens up an opportunity for marketers to kind of um, not only to sort of use that as a way to meaningfully um, interact and engage with the users, but it's also a very, very powerful data collection mechanism. And that's where your story of ingestion, right? So uh, do you kind of think about this, you know, how am I going to do this when, you know, VR spaces come up, right? And, you know, the, does that play in your mind, uh, yeah, I think I think that's fair. And I was so let's let's talk about like massive disruptions in uh, best practice API technology or so like if there were a massive shift in that that would wake me up at night for sure, you know, <laughs> so a lot of what I just said, you know, would assume that, you know, API methods and technology essentially remain unchanged for the foreseeable future. As far as ingestion, you know, I'm privileged, I get to go out and have these great conversations with people and I think that you know, our CTO and the system he's built, you know, I always try to, to, to highlight that as often as I can. So, you know, what Bruno's built is very flexible on the ingestion side as well. So again, back to the goal that we had for as, as little, you know, front end exposure as possible. So the system that Bruno's built is, is lean and mean in terms of that. So I think that whatever types of ingestion channels pop up in the future, we will be able to, to configure a, some sort of system to, um, to, to bring in information, uh, no matter what the system is. And that's thanks again to our CTO, Bruno, who's, who's built a really elegant solution for dealing with that problem. Sure. So uh, one of the things we talked about, you know, is this idea of integrations being the, uh, the focal point for really any digital transformation. And I was a little bit curious about the ways that Codetation manages that and the kinds of conversations you're having with your customers about um, those integrations. Uh, Jatan, what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, integrations is something that, um, you know, the, our first customer, very first customer at Coditation came with that problem, saying this is five years back, but uh, it was relevant back then. And it has just kind of uh, gone to another scale today. So I think the, the problem behind integration, 
that there are two distinct categories that I see from our customers. One is essentially the the products uh, like yours, uh, Q, which now it's imperative for all the products to be part of an integrated ecosystem. And what I mean by that is because of the fact that there are so many SaaS products out there. We talked about Martech landscape being 5,000 or 20,000, some, some crazy number. Um, the whole idea of both collaboration and data integration and application integration is very important to get primarily two things done. One is either it is analytics or it is automation. These are two major um, drivers for any integration efforts that, that we've seen. Now, businesses obviously who want to uh, embark on a digital transformation journey, integration becomes a backbone for them because the whole, again, the idea is to become more smarter through the data that you're collecting and become more efficient by automating a lot of your processes, right? And adopt newer technologies, newer uh, platforms to kind of be more efficient at what you do, whether it is be it IoT or be it, uh, you know, even some fancy stuff like VR. I've seen people do that even in manufacturing setup, trying to use AR and VR. Quite a few of them are doing that. Now, these businesses typically would, you know, have a system integration project, right? Or a program which says that, hey, I'm going to bring together some of my assets, which are data, which are systems, legacy platforms, vendor uh, platforms, and now a lot of SaaS platforms, right? So how do you combine all of this to give me a unified data analytics and give me a unified business process management or workflow uh, management and automation platform? So that's the one side of the story. And the second side, like I said, is that product like yours, right? Who's, who have to integrate with a lot of other SaaS players, a lot of other platforms to frankly be relevant and help the, uh, you know, drive the adoption. Because if the delivery model, if that product led vision is to be um, realized, then essentially you're looking at pretty much you know, point and click type of an onboarding. And if you want that, then you need to be integrated with, you know, a lot of ecosystem tools so that you can give the best uh, user experience to your customers. So I think these are the two distinct side of the uh, side of the stories as far as the requirement on the integration is concerned. Now, from the technology standpoint, I think uh, like you talked about, right, the whole wave of iPaaS, uh, integration platform as services, Tray and you know MuleSoft and Elastic and uh, Five Trans of this world. I think one thing that they did specialize is in uh, the first side analytics side of things. I think the whole idea was Funnel.io, great example, right? All your marketing SaaS platforms and legacy systems bring all that data into your data warehouse and you know build an analytics on top of it. But I think as world tries to, you know, sort of be more automation driven, uh, I think there's a there's a definitive need of uh, having a quote unquote fabric, which is API fabric, because 10 years back, uh, REST API used to be a selling point, right? Hey, we offer REST API and we offer that developer, um, you know, sort of entry point into our platform. No longer, everybody has that now. So I think 
API fabric or API integration connecting both the data as well as the commands and actions. Probably GraphQL is a great, great answer to it. And we are, so to answer your question, Q, uh, we are investing quite a bit on GraphQL as our uh, API integration backbone, so to speak, both from the capability standpoint, as well as from our accelerators that we are building. We, in fact, last week open sourced few of the tools that we've uh, done around GraphQL and the API integration story. And I think, I personally think that that's where uh, a lot of these integration efforts uh, will be directed at, whether people use GraphQL or you know some other uh, mechanism that's that's not so important, but the whole API-driven integration of SaaS platforms is, I think, something that will drive uh, the integration efforts, and that will become a backbone for all the digital transformation projects that, you know, in future will come up with, you know, different businesses. That that that's my take on it, and would love to uh, hear your inputs because you talk a lot to customers, you yourself in confection integrate with hundreds of systems. So would love to uh, hear from you as well, Q. I, I like, I really like this idea that all digital transformation projects are essentially organized around analytics or automation. And I think that that is spot on. Um, and also, you know, just, I'd like to highlight again, I think, you know, one of the themes emerging from this conversation is this idea of modularity, right? And so if you start from a monolithic point of view, or you're trying to build some sort of monolith, it's hard to see how that is a successful strategy in you know, 2021 and going forward. So I, I think that starting from a modular position is, is, again, the idea of being firm on vision. And it sounds like you know, Codotation's whole plan is firm on that as well. So you know, I, I think that even though we see the birth of these, these attempted monolithic systems, I think you know, modularity is absolutely the way to go. Uh, and I think you know, we're seeing that time and time again as this conversation progresses. Absolutely, and in fact, I was uh, going through some of the um, some of the uh, research analysis uh, forms uh, reports and data the other day. This is new term called uh, composable enterprise, right? So essentially, I think more and more leaders and CIOs, uh, NCTOs uh, in particular, they 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 do want uh, you know that sort of uh, ability to sort of almost have Lego blocks that they can, right. you know, piece together to, uh, you know, you know, power their marketing efforts or sales efforts or even the operations. And I think from the technology standpoint, the, the whole also shift towards, you know, this microservices architecture, making it, you know, you've, you've, I think, touched upon this twice and probably from the business side. And I think, as always, the tech is trying to follow what business wants to do. And one of the reason why we are seeing the emergence, apart from the scalability and you know, uh, those aspects, I think the, the desire to have a composable system that you can you know, plug in and plug out some components. And I think that's going to uh, not only be relevant when you're building your own products and tools, uh, but is a very, very important aspect of uh, you know, the whole integration uh, efforts that businesses and even ISVs are going to drive in future. So uh, Absolutely. I, think, I think that backbone um, and backbone doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a big fat platform that, you know, the middlewares of SOA era, if you remember, Q, you know, uh, right. 
right? I, I don't think we're going there, but by backbone, what I mean is that having those nuts and bolts and tooling around it in place, uh, which will allow you to accelerate your digital transformation journey. Um, and even again, like I said, relevant, very, very relevant to products, right? You know, a few years back, uh, SaaS, non-SaaS, you know, this is my product. I'm offering this as a box and, you know, mm -hmm. that's it. Then there are system integration projects on top of it to kind of drive your digital transformation and integration. But I think more and more I'm, you know, seeing from our customers, everybody wants to integrate, play well with other systems. You know, you want to be able to, as simple as you know, you're creating a diagram, be able to save in Google Drive, OneDrive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think, you know, more and more, I think products would also see um, them making an effort to be part of the larger ecosystem. And uh, I think Confection is already doing that as I understand. But, uh, absolutely, I mean, that's our goal, um, absolutely. And I think, you know, what you describe, it, it, I don't really have a lot of experience working at large enterprises. I mean, most of the things I've done have been small businesses that I've worked with, you know, or tried to build or built, you know, so as a serial entrepreneur, you kind of have a, a, a complex track record, but I think it's interesting you're talking about like the Lego style composable enterprise, right? And I, I assume that doing that at a, you know, a large traditional company would be a nightmare. And I can't really speak to that. Lots of challenges, I assume. But thinking about it from a from an early stage business point of view and a kind of classic startup uh, point of view, what a like how how blissful, you know, to be able to build this modular system, right? And you can plug in and unplug elements at will as you scale, right? If something doesn't work, you just unplug it and plug something back in. So the idea, you know, that we're living in kind of this Lego universe, like you, like you said, of composable enterprises at the early stage. Very, very exciting. And the amount of like cost controls and flexibilities that gives you long-term as you grow is, uh, I, I think that's something that even probably was not available when I got started, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So very, very excited looking out to the future to, to that. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is very exciting and challenging at the same time, right? Because uh, I think, you know, breaking the silos, uh, you know, sort of becoming full circle, right? We started with this particular right. point, but uh, breaking these silos uh, oftentimes is not as easy as it sounds. Uh, right. But at the same time, I think like if we, and if you look at last 15 years, one of the, you know, patterns that um, I see emerging is that uh, cloud is a great example, right? So cloud, for a lot of people, cloud was not an overnight disruption like let's say virtualization was. Uh, but it's a coming together of you know different uh, technologies maturing at different um, mm -hmm. you know times, and eventually it you know gathers a. a enough momentum to sort of, you know, uh, bring about this change with the with the uh, cloud era that we now definitely live in. But it, this was a sort of a disruption about 10 years back. Uh, but it wasn't a, like a uh, night and day disruption, overnight disruption. It wasn't an overnight disruption. So I think we're probably going to see something similar in this integration space, uh, simply because the number of platforms that I mean, I was amazed to uh, kind of uh, get this stat. Someone, someone told me the other day uh, that a small company, a small enterprise, 
uses no less than 11 different SaaS platforms to run their operations. And this doesn't include, you know, marketing department, sales, and just, just the core operations. So the amount of fragmentation that we would be living in uh, and duplication and, you know, uh, having to deal with hundreds of systems to get one thing done, to get one process right. And, you know, that calls out for a, for a fairly robust and mature integration platforms, which are, uh, could be, could be third-party vendors, but their TCOs are still very high. So, I personally see uh, enterprises for sure, but even the small and medium businesses uh, investing quite a bit, uh, knowingly or unknowingly also, in you know getting their integration strategy uh, done right. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And uh, you know sometimes I, I like to think about AWS as kind of a case study in a way where you know we're talking about the the systems level, right? the infrastructure level. And sometimes I think, you know, if, if AWS wasn't attached to Amazon and if you were an entrepreneur and you went out and pitched AWS, you know, 10, 15 years ago or, or whatever, and this is assuming the technology exists, you know, it doesn't have a lot of like curb appeal, you know, to VCs. It's not exciting in the way that, you know, another type of uh, like social media uh, tool might be or something like that. It's, it doesn't have a lot of excitement from that point of view. But it's amazing because, you know, it's long-term greedy, right? In the sense that it, you build a new capital, a piece of capital infrastructure, it's widely adopted and used. And, you know, you will be paying your bills for a long, long time with that and creating value for a long, long time with that. And Confection sort of lives in that netherworld, I think, between product and systems architecture, right? Which is, to me, is very exciting. But it's interesting when you go out and talk about it because it doesn't have the same kind of, again, like curb appeal that's maybe a more, uh, you know, a pure product uh, app would. But for me, it's long-term, again, long-term exciting because if you can build systems that work, uh, that scale really well, they, they help a lot of people do a lot of different things. I mean, that, that's a winning plan, I think. And that's one of the things that get me up, gets me up in the morning is the, I guess, the CapEx aspect of, uh, of confection, yeah. which is very exciting. Right. No, and it, it very rightly said, right? I think the, uh, the whole shift towards uh, uh, CapEx to OpEx and mm-hmm. hence the, uh, you know, initially with cloud and now with SaaS, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I would imagine, uh, you know, when... I, as I believe, uh, you know, some uh, SAP were to kind of move to pure cloud in 2025 and they rolled it back because of, uh, you know, backlash of their customers. Uh, but at the end of the day, when SAP moves to, to a cloud, you know that the uh, uh, transformation <laughs> from CapEx to OpEx is complete, pretty much right. complete. When the legacy players jump in, right? It's, it's done. Yeah, exactly. It's done. Exactly. I mean, I, I'd be very surprised if, you know, 10 years from now or even earlier than that, people, even the new engineers that are going to come in the market even know about, you know, what's on-premise, right? There's nothing like on-premise. Everything is cloud. Right, right. And so it's the default solution, right? And it's it's amazing. You know, and these things are polar, right? They, they shift poles, you know, every 10, 15 years or so. So it'd be interesting to see what comes next. Nevertheless, you know, I think that the, uh, you know, the growth of cloud computing and again, you know, 
things like Azure and AWS, you know, if you were to pitch those as standalone businesses 10 years ago or so, I, I think, you know, a lot of people would have sort of fallen asleep at your pitch, right? But they're so valuable, right? And so like, again, long-term interesting. And I think things like that are very, very exciting. Um, and uh, again, that's really what gets me up every day is that CapEx aspect of, uh, of digital transformation. And, and I think to a certain extent, right? Uh, I mean, if I imagine um, the MarTech or marketing stack, say 15 years back, uh, probably a product like Confection wouldn't have been uh, relevant. But the fact that you have now, right. you know, you have so much of a scale to deal with, so much of proliferation, suddenly the fact that, you know, you need to kind of have an you do have an ingestion problem to deal with is, mm -hmm. is a function of the scale and uh, proliferation and number of systems that you deal with, right? And that's right. Think, yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the things, I, I think it's fair to say something like confection is a cloud native product, right? For lack of a yeah. better little term. And, you know, something that could not have existed um, until there was a certain amount of affordable, just data housing, A, and a certain amount of, of ability to move things around at scale in a relatively inexpensive way. So the idea that confection represents a kind of cloud nativity, I think is 100% accurate. Yeah. So I guess that was a good discussion. Uh, thanks Q for your time, Chetan for your time again and your thoughts. They were really, really uh, incisive. I, I've got to know a lot of uh, new things today. Uh, learned a few things today. Uh, now, I guess uh, uh, a few closing comments and a, a view of the future uh, of how do both of you look at this uh, maybe in 2025? How do you think the world will, will, will shape up with this uh, uh, disruption that is coming up? Q, if you can go first. You got it. So, you know, one of the things that in the, you know, this team we've chatted about before is, you know, the idea of like, what's going to change and what's going to stay the same, right? And so there's this great tweet that uh, Sahil, the, the founder of Gumroad, he's got, he says that, you know, the first 100 customers you get uh, come through cold emails and warm intros. The next 1,000 come from their referrals. Uh, then you reach 100,000 users as, as a product becomes the default uh, for a use case. And then you reach 100,000 plus when it's the default for a whole industry, right? And so that, that process of life cycle of, of, of acquiring customers and the methods which you do that, I think that a lot of what happens is going to stay the same in the sense of people are still going to need information to make relevant outreach that in the beginning is going to be relatively cold, right? And then the process by which we run people through, through a funnel, I think that's going to, to remain largely unchanged. The thing I think, and, you know, I guess we could talk about flywheels and things like that, but, you know, variations on the same theme of customer engagement, right? Acquisition and then engagement. I think what's going to change is, is the degree to which um, we, we need to make shifts to make sure that we're ingesting reliable, compliant data, because I don't think that the, the top-down pushes from, uh, from privacy regulation are probably only going to increase, right? And the same with bottom-up demands from users for privacy and, and better uh, control over their data is going to increase. So to kind of keep from getting squeezed in the middle, I think maybe that's the main challenge for, for business interests and marketers is to make sure we have methods of collecting information that we know is compliant and it's useful and helps us enrich the systems uh, that, that we need to, to enrich going forward. So I guess for me, I, I guess I'd look out and I see more of the same um, on, the, on the big picture level, but the details definitely are going to change with respect to, to ingesting data and moving that around on the web. Awesome. Uh, Chetan? Yeah, so, okay. So I think... Two, three things that I, I, I see that, you know, there's a, there's a definitive change that's, that's happening. Um, 
which is around customer acquisition or the whole idea of you know uh, demand generation as a as a larger topic right one thing is i think like i said in the beginning of this conversation is that i think there's definitely a perceptible shift towards um you know different ways of acquiring your customers when when i say that what i mean is yes like q said right fundamentally i think the channels would probably remain uh, remain the same in terms of you know how you engage with the customers or rather the approaches would remain the same uh, but at the same time i think there'll be a lot more emphasis on uh, you know being product led and this is not just true for product companies but even those businesses who are offering services or products which are real products not the software products but uh, real products to its customers the customer experience and the whole flywheel model is probably going to come at the at the center uh, center stage from thought process standpoint that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have sales team and you know have a pure flywheel model as uh, as as it is called as but at the same time i think the whole idea of being product led being service led or you know essentially putting customer experience at the at the forefront of your strategy to acquire customers is is going to happen in my view second change i see happening is traditionally there've been sort of businesses vendors software vendors and software product houses and then system integrators i think we're going to see a blending of these three roles to a certain extent what i mean by that is i think the way i picture this is you know come 2025 the uh, cmo office or the marketing team uh, in in a traditional business would have sizable number of developers trying to automate their marketing processes and you know working with different solutions integrating pieces and so on and so forth so i think that's a that's a second change i i i foresee coming in in the years to come and the third important change is again you know ties back to the first point is that uh today in you know in today's world i i one line that i keep uh, telling uh, every colleague of mine is that today i think building software is not a not a big challenge right uh, but it still is a big challenge to build a quality software and it still is a big challenge to understand user requirements focus on user experience focus on customer journeys and then deliver a software that that just works perfectly fine and i think that focus uh, we will see a lot more and that will end up sort of affecting your product life cycles for example i think amazon is a great example they you know deploy their uh, stack some 24000 times a week right and that's what gave birth to the whole idea of devops and more automation in the ci cd pipeline and so on and so forth now these are nuts and bolts which end up making your car which is which gives the great user experience to the customers right so i think more emphasis on getting these nuts and bolts right no longer you would see you know hey this is just an mvp we don't want to do xyz i i i think that's going to go out of the window uh, fairly soon because i think the expectation of customers uh, have become uh, more and more uh, they've grown Uh, so the whole idea of consumerization of enterprises or consumerization of enterprise customer 
is very real. We are seeing that, and I think those who adopt uh, to that change and offer that kind of experience, whether you are providing the service or a product or tool or whatever, right? I think that's going to be the key to uh, succeed in this, uh, you know, fairly rapidly changing world. Great insights. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Chetan. Uh, thanks, Q, for your time. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we are short of time today. Uh, but uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, Q. It was a pleasure talking to you, Chetan. And uh, see you again, maybe in another episode of, uh, of our podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to be on the, on the podcast. Oh, perfect. I mean, this and the time flies, right? I didn't even realize it's, you know, we're on top of 45 minutes. So Q, thank you so much for a lovely evening. I think this was one of the chat that I enjoyed thoroughly. And I think I look forward to having more of these conversations with podcasts, without podcasts. That's fine. I think I just love the conversation and would love to repeat this fairly soon. Thank you very much.